Welcome to Tesseract Podcast, where we unlock your power to innovate. Hi, my name is Matt, and I'm going to be your host today. Tesseract's mission is to empower airmen, connect them to resources, and accelerate change across the Air Force logistics enterprise. Specifically, our team works as an innovation accelerator assigned to the Air Staff Logistics Directorate, where we partner with airmen to operationalize the new sustainment strategy. In this episode, we talked with Major Chip Litchfield. Chip is an LRO, a commander, and the very first Tesseract LNO. In this episode, we talk a lot about MICAP Prime and the big win of cementing it into policy. But more importantly, we talk about what it takes to dent the universe and truly create change in the bureaucracy. All right, here we go. Um, the only time of year that I ever say go pokes is when I'm talking to you and <laughs> when the pokes win and you guys won this year. So, That's, well, yeah, we won this year and then you have bragging did, rights. You have bragging did, rights for the next 365 <laughs> days. We did something against Baylor the two weeks following that we won't discuss, but yeah. <laughs> so I guess good. It's always good to see a fellow Oklahoma. I'll just I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are new career developments for you since we last spoke on the record. Yeah. So you've yeah. been at DM, yeah. uh, taking command. Um, yes. And also, you are a lieutenant colonel select, which is really exciting. Yes. Uh, if if I can be a lieutenant colonel select squadron commander, anybody can be a <laughs> lieutenant colonel select squadron commander. So um, if it is your aspiration, if you are randomly listening to this as a young supply troop or a young command post troop such as me or a young officer, hold me up as the, if this guy can do it, boy, howdy, I can do it also. <laughs> but well, yes, uh, the commander of the 355th Logistics Readiness Squadron out here at DM, uh, busy base, Multiple MDS, large squadron, uh, new and interesting things all the time, and and taking nothing away from my peers that are you know squadron commanders on similar bases. It's just um, uh, I've not heard Davis Monthan ballyhooed about in the same vein as uh, a Kadena or a Nellis in terms of pace. Uh, but this place is frighteningly busy. Mm -hmm. you know, thousands of people deploying, thousands of people coming back. Earth taskings, and, uh, the rescue squadrons going out to and fro, and um, it's uh, you know that adage about command not being a marathon or a sprint, but rather a sprint marathon has proven to be. Uh, absolutely true. So, but I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the honor. Um, phenomenal teammates out here, both within the squadron and then, uh, you know, outrunning other squadrons and, and working in other squadrons too. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you're crushing it. Anywhere you go, you're going to be crushing it. You know, my favorite credential of yours is though, that you are the very first Tesseract LNO. Yeah, I, I put that on my OPR because that meant something to me too. But and it, and it continues to do so. I know you. I know Tesseract has uh, 
very much so rounded out their LNO network and people are always coming and going with new projects and projects uh, hitting a conclusion point and then other people just being interested and saying, hey, how can I, how can I help it? There is a sense of pride uh, in that, hey, I've got a project, here's data, here's my pitch, take it and do something with it, right? Yeah, there is, um, uh, there is some pride associated with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll never forget the story of you. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, like I wasn't there, but you jumping on the blue line, right? And yeah. um, and giving your pitch on on MyCap Prime, and you know, directly to Major General Hurry, right? Right. Or Brigadier General yep. Hurry at the time. Um, and also the other stories behind, you know, meeting in the basement of the Pentagon with Garrett, you know, go, talking <laughs> through all of the, you know, the ideas and the. Uh, and the aspirations and the, and the details um, of MyCap Prime, and even naming MyCap Prime, right? Um, you know, based off of you know his experience at uh, you know at Amazon, you know, it's like, oh yeah, MyCap Prime sounds like an awesome name. Like all of those stories resonate with me with the like the tales of entrepreneurship in the Air Force, and uh, and I think you are in a showcase example of what. Uh, an airman with the time, uh, with the information, with the passion, you know, can can discover and, and do. Uh, so I know um, I look up to you, you know, in, you know personally, and I know airmen around you, especially now in your command, you know, look up to you and and what you're capable of. I, no, I appreciate that a lot, and it means a lot coming from you. Um... But you gotta shoot at some point. You gotta shoot your shot, right? Um, I'm I, I'm fond of I'm fond of sports analogies, and uh, and people always say, you know, you know, seize you know seize an opportunity, you know, take advantage of an opportunity, and everything like that, right? They, I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball, but they say, you know, the batter up in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded, down by three runs. Life goal right there in that moment in time, your job would be to hit a grand slam, right? But that's that's not seizing an opportunity. That's you're literally at the plate to do what your baseball team pays you to do, right? And that's to get a hit, keep the inning going, put a ball out of the park. You know, that's that's not that's not seizing an opportunity, if you will. Um, my my old group commander, uh, Colonel Mike Borders, says that seizing an opportunity is walking down a city street with a bat on your shoulder, turning around and there's a ball right there and you hit it. But you're prepared because you have a bat. You don't know where the ball is going to be, but when you see the ball, you know, you hit it. And I've been thinking about that. I've been talking to Garrett about it a long time. And in that, you know, on, on the blue line right there was an opportunity to just pitch something that, I was passionate about that. I was knowledgeable about, um, but not just say, Hey, there's, you know, like a lot of people that have good ideas, but there was an opportunity to immediately fill in the, the backstory, right. To, to, to respond with, to respond with, uh, background details and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
in that moment uh, on the blue line, it was just, I could, I could pitch, I could give the 45 second elevator pitch. And a lot of people are able to give a pitch, right? But what happens when your 45 second elevator pitch becomes a, a six or seven minute walk and train ride where you really have an opportunity and, and a focused opportunity with a senior leader to, 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 I hate the word sell, but maybe it is just to pitch your, pitch your idea, pitch your opportunity, right? Airman led mm -hmm. initiatives and, um, and, and have a, an encompassing conversation. Um, and that, that's what that, that day, whenever it was that, uh, Garrett and I, uh, were coming back from the Mitchell Institute heading towards the, uh, heading towards the Pentagon. That's what, that's what we did. So unique opportunity and, uh, and a memory that I, that I won't forget. Right. Mm -hmm. And then taking that story and thinking about how airmen can replicate that success. And I forgot if we talked about this in the first episode that we did together but thinking about how airmen can take advantage of a five to six to seven minutes however many minutes it is might even be just that 45 seconds you know with their commander with their wing commander um you know it, it doesn't just have to be relegated to you know, a, a general officer, right? A, an oh, idea sure, that, sure. yeah, yeah. So just keeping in perspective for, you know, for people listening out there, it is, um, uh, it is important if you're an airman innovator out there that you have that pitch down to that 45 seconds, right? Because an elevator pitch is important, um, sure. but also cherish those minutes that you get with those key stakeholders that you might have just randomly you know, bump shoulders in at the BX, or you had an opportunity to attend a meeting. So I think those are, um, you know, th that's an amazing story, Chip, that and and sentiment that I think people should carry with them. Right. And, and if you get an audience with somebody of particular importance to you, whether that person is in your chain of command or, geez, you know, wherever, 45 second elevator pitch is, is one thing, right? But you're not going to get to the second and third order questions in 45 seconds. I, that's why it's a 45 second elevator pitch. At some point, you are going to have to answer the second and third order questions, especially on an innovative, you know, approach or offering or idea to, to fundamentally dent your universe. If you will, someone is going to ask you the hard questions, and the the graveyard of good ideas, if you will is is full of people that couldn't go from the 45 second elevator pitch to the five minute off the cuff but not off the cuff because you've been thinking about it and preparing for it that five minute presentation where a senior leader says okay great well how do i pay for that and, and then it's just gone or what's the total cost of this Mm -hmm. Or how does this how does this in, impact Twicket? Or how does this does this affect other supply requisitions, right? Or does this this thing that you want to wear on your body to keep you cool? Does it is it compatible with you know this piece of equipment that we also have to wear? And if you haven't thought about those things, I'm not throwing stones, but your your good ideas is is not going to go very far because 
that's where that's the friction point that's where the rubber meets the road because if we had unlimited resources and unlimited time every good idea would be implemented but the air force is optimization at its purest sense like if i i need the max good for the least amount of dollars for the least amount of input for the most amount of control that we can get for the least amount of timeline necessary and everything like that and it, and, and, and the Air Force and Air Force leadership is constantly trying to optimize all those things right there. And if you haven't considered some of those categories that the Air Force is looking to optimize, especially time and resources, then the conversation doesn't go very far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all key requirements and, and perspectives to maintain. Knowing that <laughs> you know, when we look at just our airframes alone, I mean, they're from the 60s, they're from the 70s, they're from the 80s. Um, not all of them are that old, but I mean, this is the oldest fleet health we've ever had. Not to go down a rabbit hole of, right. of, of this, but that's just uh, a testament to optimization, right? Uh, we can't it buy is. aircraft every decade, um, but we can keep the same aircraft and, you know, maintain a certain level of flying hours and maintenance and sustainment on those airframes to get the most out of them. Uh, so yeah, if, what, if, if- yeah, because if budget if budget wasn't a, an option or a thing that we had to optimize or even consider, we would have new weapon systems constantly in the queue. Mm-hmm. Right? We would be on the sixth or seventh generation, whatever that looks like. But but budget budget is a thing. That's like space fighters, right? Seventh or eighth. Sharks, sharks with yeah, sharks with lasers. Yeah, right? Sharknado, right? Um, <laughs> um, so let's bring the conversation back to to my cap prime. Sure. And we have some recent wins from MyCap Prime yeah. that have just come to fruition, which I think yeah. are, are pretty awesome. Um, you want to talk about those? Um, yeah. So we we took a we we took a big first step, right? Any any time that you pitch an idea, there's there's something policy related that can be tied to your initiative, right? Uh, there's, you know, from, again, my cap prime, there's supply policy, there's transportation policy, there's, there's DLA supply policy, there's all, you know, there's system policy for how the, the squeaks and beeps and the ones and zeros matriculate through the system, everything. The policy just guides everything, right? Um, and I, very early on when i'm when i'm pitching my cap prime it's what is the policy and and garrett uh, was especially good and kelsey too just especially good at where do we attack policy to be able to to make this thing happen and you know i was able to answer uh, some of those questions and, and say this is what i would want from a policy perspective right so um you know recently we we got some policy wins. Um, you know, we're adding uh, adding some paragraphs to AFI twenty four six hundred two volume two. Trans, you know, the transportation uh, TMO AFI. And, um, I've got it up on my screen right here. It says um, we're going to add paragraph two point four point one point one N one A MICAP shipments with N one A as a required delivery date are deemed by the service as mission critical assets assets. And cost should not be a factor when selecting the mode method of transportation to the maximum extent possible. And when a MICAPs should be moved by next day air for the most 
or the fastest, most reliable method. All N1A MICAPs must be accompanied by DB form 1348-1A and have a valid tax. So, uh, yes. So this ties in. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead, please. Answer me. Ask. So I, I think this connects beautifully to what we were just talking about with optimization. Right. And we were talking about, um, we're, we talk about efficiency and we talk about effectiveness. And looking at this as a step in the right direction for the Air Force to spend, you know, it, you, you, they're spending more resources on the front end here in order to generate impact and lethality on the back end, right? Right. In yeah. aircraft. Yeah. Um, and it, it really, I mean, I think it just, it signifies that there is a, an understanding of, of this and this type of expenditure, this type of um, uh, this investment in this resource, but obviously you're the expert. Those are just the thoughts that are at the top of my head right now. It's just a, how we can, you know, connecting the dots between just kind of the, I thought the the rabbit hole we were in before to what we're talking about now. Yeah. So I, I, I would, uh, you honor me with your comment about being the expert, but I, I'm not the expert anymore. Um, that. I still think about it quite a lot. Command has kind of taken the day, right? And I haven't been able to work on this um, as consistently I had as I was doing my my time in, in DC. So I, you know, I'll tell you right now that the likes of Major Tyner Apthill, um, Major Joe Mercurio, those the the scout commanders, those are the experts right now because those are the ones that are constantly engaging and, and pushing my caps and 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 working in that mesh point that is the space between supply and transportation, material management and transportation. Both my parents were supply troops, so it's, uh, I've been saying supply my whole life, so my material managers, um, I don't mean any disrespect by that. So, you know, that, 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 that friction point between material management and supply, which is, which is realistically where ICAP um, Prime lives. Um, I can but see it. That, no, go ahead. I was, no, I was, was going to say, I see a thoughts on the top here. You know, the, the, the policy piece there is, is very important, especially what they captured. So I, I really appreciate how they captured it because for many years, um, I, I, I started getting my master's degree at AFID in 2012 and I graduated in 2014. But one of the primary topics that we discussed in, in a lot of the supply chain classes were you know, differentiating. Uh, effectiveness from efficiency. Uh, and sometimes I needed efficiency to win out, win out, and sometimes I needed effectiveness to win out. And, and But again, going back to the Air Force being an optimization problem, you needed, you needed both efficiency and effectiveness, right? Um, the effect, the most effective way to ensure that parts are moving as quickly as they can would be, of course, to take that 15 pound package set it in the back seat of a D model S16 if you have F16s and fly it to wherever it needs to go, right? That's that's effective. We'll get it there. Not very efficient, right? Efficient from a use of the jet or efficient from cost perspective, right? Or especially when comparing and contrasting. Well I can you know I can send this package 
uh, next business day delivery by a FedEx for you know for thirty seven dollars. It'll take us thousands of dollars to generate that that F sixteen sortie to strap that thing into the back of the DMOP. Um, and you know, senior logistics, senior supply chain, senior sustainment leaders. That is at the forefront of what they have to do is how are we effective and how are we efficient? And um, when, when we're willing from an AFI perspective to say that these critical assets should be sent with the cost of the shipment secondary, my own paraphrase right there, that's a huge thing um, because you know, we have great, we have great uh, transporters that are, you know, doing the calculation and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, that's that's a really expensive shipment right there. Right? That that to ship that next business day, that 148 pound package. That's I haven't looked at prices for a couple of years, so you know, but that's you know that's 600 700 dollars, right? But we but we don't at the same time know that that's not a single hit on a jet. And the maintenance crews, maintenance crews are waiting for that part, and they're they're parts plus six hours or something like that. And oh, by the way, that jet is supposed to deploy, um, you know, at the, at the end of the week, right? We, we can't afford to put that. Um, we can't afford afford to put that on the on the back of the truck and drive it from McDill to Fairchild if it's a KC one thirty five part, right? Um, so when when they by saying that, what we're saying is, is we're starting to recognize the value of the asset, i.e. The, the resource, the jet, relative to the value of that individual shipment, right? It's, you know, some of these are very small fleets. Um, and the value of getting that jet fixed, the part into the hands of the maintainers, far outweighs, far outweighs from both a dollars to cents and a you know an intellectual perspective that that cost of uh, of shipping. So when when we think about how do you think this AFI empowers airmen to make different decisions when it comes to one alpha micaps and what does micap prime in its current state mean for TMO troops and supply troops uh, across like CONUS right now? As a squadron commander of, a, of an LRS that has a massive material management and TMO footprint, um, I can't hire material managers or TMO troops, and I, I'm having a hard time retaining them because their services and their skill set is being significantly valued by industry partners and industry in general they defense contractors are are paying and paying well for the experience of material managers and and tmo troops so our troops are being shown that industry very much values their skill set because it adds to the bottom line a lot easier to save a dollar in logistics than it is to send to it's a lot easier to save a dollar in logistics than it is to sell 10 more widgets at 10 cents each right so when we have policy like this we're starting to show 
I mean, even to our own troops, we're, we're starting to show that what you do impacts our operational capability. We can't let these boxes just be boxes. It's not just a box. It's a critical spare that is going to go fill a hole on a jet at another base across the United States. And, and that maintenance team and that ops group commander and that operational squadron commander is waiting for that jet to green up so they can do something else. And if it's just a box, okay, it'll get there when we get when it gets there. That's that's not a mindset, right? Because somebody's waiting for that. If we if with what that policy is saying is like this is a critical asset. We're telling you it's a critical asset. We're telling you to to lean into and create speed. Well, the material managers who pull the part off the shelf and the TMO troops who generate the shipment, we're telling them that you have an operational impact. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. No, what 100%. And I think when we when we look at the, the the current state, like I understand it is a step forward and we, we're looking at it as, you know, whether it's one step forward, whether someone looks at it as, you know, 10 steps forward or 100 steps forward, knowing how hard it is to change policy in the Air Force. Uh, I'm also I'm looking forward to, you know, the the potential future state. Thinking about the. um Maybe not to zip zip too far ahead, but. I also want to, you know, think about the other solutions that were encompassed initially in the MyCap Prime idea, you know, in in project and in Pathfinder, right? Yeah. You know, we we talked about pull pack and ship metrics. Um yeah. we've we've talked about uh like integrating a materiel solution, you know, into the system, which is not out of the question r- right now. That's something that has been scoped and, and agreed upon to execute. It's just a matter of doing it. Um, but what do you tangibly envision for the future of MyCap Prime for LROs and TMO troops and supply troops to think about as they continue to send their demand signal up for what the future can be and like what, what is possible? And what are actually maybe this is a two-parter. And then what are other ideas that frontline airmen are more than capable of accomplishing to to supplement uh MyCap Prime moving forward? One thing one thing that's important to me that I want to say is in any initiative like MyCap Prime, you have to start somewhere. Right. And I had I have I had a host of additional things that I wanted to do. Everything from the sourcing logic to the to the ones and zeros that the that the troops see uh, when they, when they look at a screen. Um, how how CMOS and how ILSS interfaces, you name it, all, all that stuff is still there and is still a desire that that I want to keep pushing on. Um, let me share an analogy because I think this is I think this is relevant. 
one of my favorite movies is The Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Um, and Andy Dufresne wants to start a library. He's, I want I'm, I want to start a library. So he's talking to the warden. You know, he's got a relationship with the warden by this point. He's got a relationship with the guards, and you know, he's bringing his special skill set to bear. And, and he tells the warden, "I'm gonna. I want to start a library. I'm gonna. I'm gonna email the, you know, the the people in the government and ask them to send me some funds to start a library." And the governor says, basically, uh, they're not going to listen to you. But if you want to, if you want to send your letters, I'll send them for you. So Andy starts sending a letter a week, right? Letter a week. You know, in the movie, they show him checking in, and there's no response. And then, and then one day, one day out of the blue, he gets called up into you know the the office or whatever it is, and there's just. All this stuff everywhere. There's there's a letter for him. boxes and boxes of books and a, a record player and some records if you're familiar with the movie. And he's and he's you know he's the 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 letter says essentially like we we got all your letters here's two hundred fifty dollars and a bunch of books and we consider this case you know closed now right stop sending us letters and he kind of steps back and he looks for a second and he goes wow i guess i'm gonna to have to send him two letters a week now right <laughs> uh, and i i really see the like we just affected policy with a chart that i created because i couldn't answer and tell i couldn't answer questions intelligently i created a chart based on actual MICAP data in, in 2017. And now in 2022, we've updated a, a couple uh, paragraphs in an AFI. You know, I almost feel a little bit like Andy Dufresne. It's like, okay, if we can, if we can get this started and we can dent the universe, now I need to push just a little bit harder, right? Because I know that there's still so much out there that we that we can do to to impact, you know, creating speed with just these these handful of, of critical, you know, resources. Right? Um, uh, you know, you talk, you asked about what are some of the other things that you want to do. I want, yeah, I want, I would like to have a critical pull time uh, created in ILSS based on what we know to be the approximate time that the carrier departs the base from the day, whether that's, you know, 1030 in the morning or that's 1600 at night, right? Um, if we know that that carrier leaves at 1030, then if it's past that, or there's an option to go someplace else and, and create a next business day delivery, well, we're not going to source to the base that's already past that critical pull time because it decreases our our probability of of next business day, right? Or, you know, uh, the 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 material management troop looks at the screen and says, you know, if I hit the go button right now to, to order this part, we're not going to get it until you know until Friday, this Tuesday afternoon. I, I can tell you right now, we're not going to get this part. To you. Well, then, you know, that material manager can go back to the to the you know his his or her maintenance counterparts and say. Friday, 
you know, and then maybe we reconsider what we're doing with cans or something, right? Or we, we engage the scow on a break glass scenario and say, we looked, Friday is not going to work. Here's the reason why Friday is not going to work. We're, we're asking you to break glass and get us, you know, get us this part. Like I, all that meat is out there hanging on the bone, right? Now we just have to, now we just have to push harder and advocate stronger and, and go back to what we did on that, on that blue line train and say, here's the idea. Here's the cost. Here's how it would work. Here's the goodness. Here's what we have to give up. Here's what we have to reprioritize. Here's, you know, what the contractor said it would take, how long it would take to, to code that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And, and then to, you know, from a, from a commander's perspective, I, I, I'm not the, the clearing house of, of good ideas, right? I've started to detach and as much as that pains me to say it, but, um, you know, the, it goes back to something that I'm, I'm kind of fond of saying is if you set low expectation for your troops, don't be surprised when they meet them. But the same is also true when you set high expectations for your troops. And then you say, I want, I want you to push on this. I want you, I want you to, I want you to be comfortable in the red as, as general Litchfield said, you know, when he, um, started art of the possible back in 2012 or 2013 or something like that it's like we're going to set some really hard goals which means that we're going to be in the red but we should aspire to those really hard goals and then Mm -hmm. if we meet those goals then we should set other really hard goals and we should uh, you know aspire to meet those i had a conversation with my material management flight commander uh lieutenant bruce phenomenally intelligent young man um, and we were talking about how do we do MyCraft Prime in the in the 355th LRS, um, and he and he produced some really good stuff. He's a petroleum engineer, chemical engineer. He's a he's big brain, um, uh, and he produced some really good charts. And I said, man, those are really good, uh, but I think we're we're looking at it a little bit differently. We had a we had a really good conversation. And he left my office and he's like, I've been looking at this incorrectly. Um, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at this, you know, with a different perspective now. And, and that's all he, that's all he needed right now. He's, he's balancing being a flight commander to the air force, the second largest material management flight. But I know that it's st- he's still gonculating on how do we get after some of that? How do we, how do we, how do we push on this, on this really, really hard? Because MyCap Prime and many other of uh, the other projects that Tesseract does is not an overnight thing, right? You're just, it's going to take a long time to, um, you know, to to create the change and drive the change and answer the second and third order questions. It's going to take a long time. You're not going to do that overnight. You know what I'm saying? But you know, where where the troops see an opportunity to create speed. Whether that's um, you know the the documented cargo troops and TMO and and um, and, and ground transportation, not confining themselves to individual sweeps, right, to deliver parts, but you know when they communicate with their maintenance and their material management peers, they say, "Hey, this entire squadron is waiting on this part right here." So when it hits, can you either 
generate a specific trip out to deliver it or let us know and we'll generate a specific trip over to you to get that that's like sometimes the stuff that we think is is trivial i.e good communication good conversation being on the same page is is what we need to create speed both internally and, um, and externally uh, I had a I had a unique opportunity to have an office call with General Thomas, who was the assistant commandant of the Marine Corps before I before I left DC. Met him and and his wife uh, randomly sitting in church, and I, I saw him enough times. And he asked me how I was doing. I told him I was going to go take command of the squadron. He invited me up for a, for an office call. As it relates to ideas, one he gave me one of the best pieces of leadership advice. He said, um, as a commander. You have to be easy to please, but difficult to satisfy. And, I, and I've, I've hung on to that for a long time. And is that when people bring you their ideas on how to do X, Y, or Z, you, you appreciate very much the idea. But then you challenge them to go back and, and flesh out their idea and think about those second and third order things. Um, and, and while you're challenging them, you're also appreciating the fact that they're probably getting outside of maybe just their one specific job and thinking about, you know, denting their universe just a little bit. So I, I, I don't know that I did a service to your question, your two-part question there. Um, so uh, I yield to you for, or for follow-ups or redirects on that one. <laughs> no, that, that, was, that was great, Chip. ILSS has the new-ish notification system, right? Yeah. Are you familiar yeah. with that? Yeah. Do you want to, um, I know that's not the end all here, um, but it is also one of those steps in the right direction where someone else can now start writing their two letters yeah. a weekend. Um, but do you want to explain that to our audience? Yeah, what, and, and, I'll, and I'll say this week's and beeps, right? But what that does is just, hey, a high priority requisition has hit your base and here's a notification. So you're alerted about that. Right. So mm -hmm. we don't, we don't want, we don't want important requisitions to be missed. We want that flash to, to go off to as many people as possible. Right. So it's not, if the, if the one person, if the one person whose job it is to stare at ILSS to wait for that next requisition to hit that we have to pull. Well, you know, if he gets, called away for something well who's who's watching the storefront here you know yeah and, and we and we miss an opportunity to create speed and we just bought an extra if this happens on thursday or friday we just bought another 48 hours on that requisition mm -hmm. no we, we, we as many eyes and as many hands contributing as possible and, and I, I i appreciate chris ford's work on on driving that solution um you couldn't ask for a, a better guy to be in the boat rowing with you than than Chris and, and and working, you know, many many hours trying to just get stuff like that codified and, and pushed out to where it becomes a a common thing, not like just special knowledge because you moused around and stumbled upon something. But here, this is something that you can do to help improve the service that you're providing to your buddy at a at a different base. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. He's a good dude. Um, in the tests and 
and, and all of the the work that was done uh, to conceptualize and, and and bring about MyCap Prime. Yeah, there was a twenty percent uh, increase in speed of MyCaps. Yeah. So yeah. there was uh, the average MyCap took uh, or takes seventy hours, uh, yeah. and MyCap Prime was able to bring that down to fifty. As right. as we as we talk about speed and maintaining tempo in uh, in our operation, how how long do you think it's going to take for us to reach that twenty percent uh, increase in speed average? So, like, at what point now that this AFI is in place, uh, do you think we're going to be able uh, to bring down the average MyCap? down to 50 hours in the foreseeable future? Or do you think that material solution is going to be necessary in order to supplement the um, uh, the speed and tempo of my caps? So I, I understand well that uh, kind of like an experiment bias occurs, right? You know, you have a hypothesis and you say, hey, units, you're... You're helping me test this hypothesis, and this is what we want you to do, right? Um, and if they do that, what you have laid out before them, you should, in theory, if your hypothesis is true, you should achieve those results. Like, if we do these things, my capture part should go faster. And, th and that's what we saw, right? Um, but Garrett Major Hernandez was, he might be a lieutenant colonel now. Uh, he's, a, he's a select. Yeah, he's just a, like you. Oh, yeah, gave you guys both a call on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Garrett, um, Garrett was always fond of saying, and, and I think it's absolutely true that while there are a lot of policy issues and, and things that we can do from a technological perspective to facilitate MyCap Prime, MyCap Prime was a a behavioral problem it was uh, we have the intelligence out there to create a phenomenal amount of speed for anything that we ship whether that's two by fours to do a CE project with concrete or food or, you know whatever we have we have uh, the the mental capacity to be able to to come up with a solution and implement it's it's repeating it over and over and over and over and over again Right. I was fond of saying that every MyCap is a unique and delicate flower, just like every other MyCap. Right. So while the origin destination, um, yada, 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 for each MyCap is, is largely unique, you can pull um, very broad and overarching uh, lessons learned and, and, and rule sets and everything like that, commonalities. When you look at them in the in the aggregate, right? Um, so if we can get our material managers and TMO troops, our transporters, to as soon as they get the notification, to run over and pull that thing out, have it inspected if it needs to be inspected, or just get it over to TMO as, as quickly as we. If we can create those that that immediate response by behavior. Like, this is just what we do for this for this thing. Then, yeah, we can create a lot of speed, right? Um, when I was talking 
MICAP Prime initially, I was met with, we already do that. You know, the kind of common refrain was, we already do all that. We immediately pull them off the shelf and we immediately send them over here to inspection or we immediately give it over to TMO and if it's already packed, we got it. And, and, we, and we get those things moving. And then when you pull the data, something didn't jive, right? Because if we did all those things, if we already did all those things, this line right here would be way over to the left. But it was never way over to the left. It was always way over to the right, which was, there was a disconnect somewhere, right? Um, so it, going back to the experiment, it was everybody's singing off the same sheet of music and everybody's you know marching to the same drummer and we're doing all these things. Well then, wow, we did get faster. We didn't cue my caps up until 1130 and pull them all at once and then take them over. And we did, you know, we rushed to get them off the shelf if we knew the carrier was getting ready to leave. So we moved with urgency that maybe was not common um, across the enterprise. And I'm not throwing stones at material managers or TM. Everybody's busy. But we put a special emphasis during this experiment to elevate even further the criticality of moving these requisitions. And, and we did show that we could create speed. We, we locked off a lot of hours and that was, you know, that was pretty awesome. Um, I learned and we learned very quickly on that, that the next business day, the next business day piece of the, the actual shipping priority that we moved my caps with was the easiest thing that we could do. Hey, N1A my caps ship with next business day. Oh, okay. Right. I mean, we had like a, 96 or 97 percent compliance rate during our experiment which you know was up 10 or 11 percentage points so there was there was goodness to be gained right there right so we um so we did improve on that but you know we, we still had to get it into the hands of the of the tmo troop for them to to generate that next business day shipping right um and, and you know that requires getting off the shelf and you know foregoing that we don't take we don't take parcels after this time if you had an internal internal rule set and by and large you know we we set aside some of those things that was in the was in the instruction letter that was sent out for the you know set aside those internal control mechanisms to to generate speed as fast as possible and if you're capable and you're so willing and you have the you have the manpower and the resources to to take apart at 1700 and, and drive two miles off base to the to the fedex or the ups terminal to get that thing into their hands to get it moving them then by all means do that that's a you know that's a leadership win right mm -hmm. um but it was moving at the end of the day going back to what garrett always says it was moving deliberately right from a from a human performance not assuming that we already that we already do this type perspective and i think that is the that's the critical thing but it goes back to that optimization is you can't prioritize everything all the time you know, there's, you know so that's why we we talked about and what you know grounding my caps were where we were going to to start this test and this rule set was the ones that we considered the most important. We'll start from there and then waterfall out from there.
Mm-hmm. Well, just a simple Pareto principle, right? Like those, you know, small amount of one alpha micaps are causing majority of the problems, right? Yeah. And there's no bigger problem in the Air Force <laughs> than than a jet that is grounded because sure. of a part, sure. right? Especially one that needs to be green for a mission, for deployment. And when we build those habits now in peacetime, uh, they become second nature when things start getting a little bit more serious, right? Uh, and not saying that we can't rise to the occasion already, because I, you know, I very much think that um, that our airmen and the joint force in general can can rise to any occasion that it's you know put up against. Um, however, um, we can continue to optimize the machine, right? As we right. talked about. Um, to be that much more ready and lethal when we need to be. Um, looks like you right. got that and, there. Right. And, and even more so when right now the Air Force in no way, that's a joint force in, in, in any way, zero capacity constraints in terms of, of moving stuff about the DOD enterprise. Nothing. There's zero capacity constraints. Like the balloon goes up. Yeah, we're going to start to be capacity constrained. And we have to have thought about what is the most important. What is the thing that I absolutely have to move? And, and then because we've been thinking about that with programs like MyCap Prime and other, other stuff that is just now bubbling to the surface where we're prioritizing this one over this one for whatever reason, we'll at least have an intellectual foundation for saying, it's all important, but this one is critical, so this one goes. Mm -hmm. And the fact... You know, oh, sorry. No, because we're going to have to make those decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Low decision is going to have to make those uh, decisions, or the operator is going to have to make those decisions via uh, his or her you know, servicing logistics commander. And, and by default, because of this AFI change, you can have a little bit more of of an intellectual conversation talking about, you know, efficiency and effectiveness and talking about, well, um, you know, instead of it being the most, uh, you know, efficient price wise, well, now let's open up the dialogue here, you know, sir or ma'am or sergeant or whoever it is, um, that this is the right decision for the air force. This is the right decision for the maintainer on the other end of this, my trap. Uh, and, and this is the ultimately the right decision for the mission and mission accomplishment. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked to hundreds of maintainers during my time in the sky. I talked to my maintainer peers now and that, that the commonality of their, of their talking point hasn't substantively changed is um, order our parts as, as, as quickly as we can. You know, use stateside parts to satisfy stateside micaps, and that gets back to the positioning parts in, in far off lands, if you will, and, and the difficulty to get them there. So why pull them first? Right? Uh, and, you know, I always perceived, and this was, you know, what my squadron commander and scout, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Hervis, now retired, always said is, if they can perceive that you're doing what you're telling them that you are doing for them, like and, and they perceive it and they believe it, 
that goes a long way, right? Because, you know, when he engaged the 436 Supply Chain Operations Squadron, he says, it's beautiful in here, isn't it? It's, you know, 71 degrees year round and you're sitting here ordering parts and there's, you know, there's, there's, there's some young maintenance troop that's frying on a hot fight line. There's some young maintenance troop that's freezing on a cold fight line waiting for the parts that, that you order, right? So the least that we can do for that frying troop or that freezing troop is to move with haste and expediency to get them the stuff that they, that they need. Um, and, and I've never really forgot that. And that was a bit of the, the impetus for, for my cap prime essay. It's thinking about the truth that just needs to fix the jet. Um, but yeah, it, it, whether individually or from an enterprise perspective, you know, we can, we can move with speed as a collective or we can move with speed as individual and that will never not be beneficial to what we're trying to do as a, as a logistics enterprise, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's always goodness to, to that. Yeah. Fantastic. And of course there are going to be those exceptions, right? There are going to be some bases where parts are harder to get than others from sure. depending on the MDS. Um, but thinking on the aggregate um the point i guess the the overarching message here is airmen are more empowered to make decisions based off of this afi change um, yeah. and you know, i think that's i think that's the number one you know takeaway oh. and and two collectively we can still generate speed um regardless of those one-offs like i know you know i got you know friends that have worked on you know cv22s and like hey we have some certainly some part constraints uh i was recently you know talking to um a friend of mine that works on he's an lro um at dias and he's talking about his parts coming in for the b1s and they've have their challenges too um but all of that aside, um, proud of the fact that we have allowed airmen to make a decision that they believe is most efficient and effective for the force and not letting a bureaucratic system say what is most efficient is the only answer. And I think that's a, I think that's a really, really big win. If you can affect policy, that's a massive win. Right. But but if you can affect policy, you can also affect computer coding. And you mm -hmm. can like so now like Andy Dufresne, it's time to start writing two letters a week. Right. I was now about I have, to say <laughs> I, 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 now, I now I have my two hundred fifty dollars and a, and, a, and a host of books for my library. Right. You, you, you've given me the policy basis to do what I want to do from a system perspective now. Now I'm just, I, I, I'm gonna run with, I have a policy that we should do this. Like here's my intellectual basis. I'm, I'm gonna use that to, to keep pushing that much harder to improve ILSS, to pursue, you know, improve the interface between ILSS and CMOS, to let ILSS generate uh, the shipping parameters, right? All the stuff, improve sourcing logic, um, yeah. Absolutely. Two letters a week. I should hashtag that and put it on a bumper sticker or something like that. <laughs> Next year, OSU one. Um, 
do uh do uh do the cool kids still do hashtags or have we moved on to something else uh I don't. hashtags we at things i don't know i don't know what gen z's up to but at, uh, at two at two letters a week there there we go so chip thank you so much for coming on and talking about this um well the very first tesseract pathfinder um the first big win with our first yeah. Pathfinder right. and uh, super proud of you, proud of my cap prime and everyone that's made it possible. And um, yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks buddy. I'm proud of you too. Like I'm, I'm excited for your future. Thank you again for listening to Tesseract Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Any references to trademarked, copyrighted, or protected products or services such as books, movies, or businesses are used here for the limited purpose of education and professional development of Air Force Airmen. If you have any questions, please contact us at www.tesseract.af.mil.